Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. I want to give you a little bit of context on how this message was birthed. Um, I was in the gym a couple weeks ago, and um, yes, I'm like, come on, preach, preacher. <laughs> and I was walking by the cardio theater, the, the cardio, you know, there's like the cardio area. I, I don't spend a lot of time there. I probably need to spend a little more, but I was walking past the, the cardio theater, and they have all those TVs, and so I just kind of, I kind of glanced at well, what's on TV? I don't spend a lot of time watching TV, but I want to dial into where people are and what people are connecting to. And out of four or five TVs, the majority of TVs were on like news stations and these, these news outlets. And every TV had a story about the economy. And talking about inflation, you know, inflation is at a, at a 40-year high. Uh, gas prices, whew. How many of you are feeling pain at the pump? Come on, talk to me. Yeah, have you ever noticed like when you're pumping gas in your car, there's like numbers that are spinning. And there's one number that's spinning really, really, really fast. And the other number is not spinning fast enough. It's like that dollar sign is just And the gallons is like trickle, 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 trickle. Inflation, gas prices, food prices. Oh my goodness, go to the grocery store these days. Man, you're paying twice as much, maybe three times what you used to pay. Uh, interest rates are starting to rise. Oil prices have risen by 70%. And the economists are saying that a recession is looming. And that this was on every TV in the cardio theater. And so I'm thinking, well, Lord, what do you have to say about the times that we're living in? I think all of us feel a crunch. How many of you are feeling squeezed? All of us feel a sense of, man, there's pressure, there's uncertainty, and, and news media outlets have a lot to say about it. I'm sure you've probably talked about it in your family, in family conversations, talked about it at work. You definitely feel it in your pocketbook. My question is, Lord, what do you have to say to us? God, what is your message to the church for the times that we're living in? How many of you know God has something to say? And it's important for us as believers. I mean, sure, we take stock of what's happening around us, but I think heaven has something specific to say to us. Can I have a good amen? The title of the message today is simply this, How to Flourish in a Famine. How to Flourish in a Famine. You know, lack has a way of getting your attention, does it not? Okay. Lack will get our attention. How many of you, if you miss a meal, yeah, there's this new term, and it's a combination of, of hungry and angry. It's called hangry. How many of you, if you don't eat, how many know somebody that suffers from this condition called hangry? Oh, yeah, I remember years ago when I was a college pastor, we were going through a, a season of fasting at the church. You know, we were fasting from food. And when you're leading college kids, I mean, fasting is a big deal. It was a 21-day fast, and we were about... 
10 or 15 days into the fast, we were praying in the morning time. And so early morning prayer at 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. And we were going without food and men just really trying to dial in and listen to what the Spirit of God said. And I remember showing up one morning. And when you're doing without food, if food is anywhere in your proximity, you can smell it from a mile away. I walked into the prayer meeting and I smelt something. It's like, what is this? It was a distraction. I'm telling you, lack has a way of getting your attention. And I noticed in the back of the room, a college kid walked in and he had a plate of food in his lap. I'm like, dude, what is that? He's like, "Ah, sorry, I, I made an omelet before the prayer meeting. I'm like, I'm, try, I'm about to rebuke him in Jesus' name. What are you doing bringing an omelet to the prayer meeting? Didn't you know we are fasting? He said, yeah, you know, I, I just made a little something. Do you want me to put it away? I said, no, it's too late. Bible says if you look at an omelet and lust, <laughs> you've already committed breakfast in your heart. Come on, somebody. Lack has a way of getting our attention. I want you to know famine, though, is not unique to us. The pressure that we sense in today's economy and culture, it's not something new. Biblical history, human history is marked through seasons of famine. In 1 Kings 17, I want to read you this story. I think God has so much to say to us as a church on how to navigate seasons of lack and and periods of pressure. Ahab is the king of Israel at this time, King Ahab. And Ahab was a bad dude. Come on, somebody say bad dude. He was not good at all. In fact, the scripture says that Ahab did more to provoke the Lord's anger than any king in the history of Israel. How many know that's not good? Man, look, I don't, I've had people mad at me. I don't like it when people are mad at me, but I'd rather have you mad at me than God mad at me. This king was, was I mean, making terrible decisions. Uh, he, was, he was a bad dude, and God was mad. And so he marries this girl named Jezebel, all right? She was worse. I don't know if you've heard anything about who Jezebel was. Uh, Jezebel, <laughs> he marries Jezebel, and it goes from bad to worse. How many know when you act in bad and then you marry bad, it's really, really bad? Not a good situation. Not a good situation. Jezebel was the daughter of a pagan king, and so she begins to introduce this god called Baal. And some of you have probably, you've heard the, the prophets of Baal, this, this god, this foreign god now that there's statues to Baal. They're, they're burning incense to Baal. They're worshiping Baal even in the temple of God. And so this is not a good season for the Israelites. Uh, think about it. Because of Jezebel's influence and Ahab's incompetence, Israel is in a bind. I'm telling you, when your leaders, when, when their influence is negative and their capacity and they're incompetent, that combination puts the nation in a vice grip. And this is what was going on in, in the time of Israel. God's about to introduce himself, though, to Ahab and the Israelites. 1 Kings 17, verse 1. Read with me. The Bible says this. Now, Elijah, who was from Tishbe in Gilead, told King Ahab... As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God that I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Now, this is the first time that Elijah is mentioned in Scripture. 
And I think the way he introduces himself is significant because Elijah's name literally means Yahweh is my God. Now remember, the nation of Israel is worshiping Baal because of Ahab and Jezebel. So there's all this confusion. There's these false gods and idolatry all around them. And Elijah says, Yahweh is my God, the God that I'm serving. I want you to know that my name is Elijah and I serve the one true living God. And there will be no rain or even dew, no moisture on the ground for years until I give the word. Now, how many of you know that's power? I mean, it's one thing to try to predict the weather. And I appreciate meteorologists. It's interesting, though, meteorologists can get it wrong 50% of the time and they still keep their job. Isn't that some? Uh, you try that at your job. Get it wrong. Be 50-50. See how long you stick around. We do our best to try to predict what the weather does, but to actually control the weather, somebody say, that's power. You see, the entire economy was dependent on rain. Think about it. In, in this day, it was, uh, uh, the, the agriculture was the centerpiece of their civilization. If it didn't rain, the plants didn't grow. And if plants don't grow, the animals don't eat. And if plants aren't growing and animals aren't surviving, food is getting scarce. The famine is being created. Look at what it says in verse 2. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside Kareth Brook, east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. If you're taking notes, I want you to I want to give you four simple thoughts as we walk through 1 Kings 17. But the first thing I want you to write down, write down the word fear. Okay? Everybody say fear. You know, famine creates fear. When a famine hits, when there's lack, I mean, and this is a natural reaction. Our human nature is to be afraid. When things are in short supply, it's easy for fear to set in. And if your mind is like mine, I can run a million miles an hour in my head. Now, I can't do it in my body. How many know my mind is one place, my body's telling me something different? But in my mind, I mean, I can scroll through all different kind of what-if scenarios. What if gas prices don't go down? What if costs continue to rise? And Man, I can't afford groceries. What if we have layoffs at work? Or, you know, what if I can't pay my bills? How am I going to take care of my kids? How long is this going to last? What if things get worse? And you know, your mind can play the what-if games. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And sometimes we create scenarios and hypotheticals. And as bad as it may be in reality, it can be ten times worse in your head. Am I talking to anybody? I wanted to at least start out this mess. I know it may sound tough, but I want you to know that, that God sees where we are and he knows what our struggle is. Fear is a natural byproduct of, of famine. But let me ask you this question. Where does this famine come from? Where does this one come from? Didn't the prophet Elijah declare it ain't going to rain until I say so? Let me tell you something about famine. Famines are not always about God losing control. 
sometimes famines are a way of God showing us that he's in total control. This, this is important. Now, here's what's fascinating. Jezebel introduces this God called Baal, okay? And all of Israel is worshiping Baal at this time. You know, Baal was known as the sky god or the god of the weather. Come on, do you see where we're going with this? And Elijah shows up and says, I am Elijah. Yahweh is my God, and it's not going to rain. I know you're worshiping the sky God, but it's not going to rain until I give the word. Oh, let me tell you something about famine. Sometimes God will use famines to strip away our idols. Things that we prop ourselves up on. Things, oh, well, well, God, I say that I trust you, but then the minute the stock market drops, our trust drops too. Uh, Am I talking to anybody today? You see, God is going to remind, and we'll see through this story the sovereignty of God through every step of the way. But it's God who determines the seasons. It's God who's about to show King Ahab, I am in charge. God is going to use this famine to bring the nation of Israel back under the lordship of God Almighty. And for us as a country and as a culture and a community, sometimes we pride ourselves in our own independence and God has to allow a famine to hit the land to remind us that we are totally dependent upon him. Now God gives special provision for his people during famine. I want you to write that down. I think that's important. God always gives special provision to his people during times of famine. What did he tell Elijah to do? There's no rain, but he says, I want you to go to the brook called Kareth, and I want you to drink from the brook, and then I'm gonna send ravens that will feed you every morning and every evening. Now notice this, the brook was a natural resource. God provides jobs for us. Your job is a natural resource. Some of you are working in a place you've been working there for years. Uh, Don't neglect what God has put in your hand just because there's fear starting to creep into our community. Stay faithful with the natural and then trust God with the supernatural. The brook represents a natural source of provision. But then the ravens represent something supernatural. Ravens feeding Elijah every morning and every evening. Now, how about that? That's the original DoorDash. I mean, think about it. Delivering food right there to his house. That's waiter right there before waiter was ever invented. God said, I'm going to feed you with the ravens. Now, a raven was a dirty bird. Come on, somebody. Doing a dirty bird right there at the brook. If you're Elijah, you're thinking, man, I wonder what's on the menu today. God, what you got for me today? And God's supernaturally bringing food to Elijah. Hear me, beloved. Hear me, children of God. Famine may be all around you, but God's going to make sure that provision gets to you. And he may do it in natural ways, and he may do it in supernatural ways. You know what? Super, supernatural is simply you doing in the natural and then God adding super to your natural. Don't allow fear to paralyze you and keep you from doing what God's called you to do. Come on, can I have a good amen? Number one, everybody say fear. Number two, say focus. 
Now check this out. Here's where there's a shift in the story. Check this out. Verse 7. But after a while, the brook dried up. Why did the brook dry up? Because there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Why was there no rainfall? Because Elijah said, it ain't going to rain until I give the word. Watch what happens here. The brook dries up. There's no rainfall anywhere. Verse 8. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. For I've instructed a widow there to feed you. Now, now get this picture. Now, now we, we start out fearful, but then there's a challenge for us to focus because the Bible tells us that eventually the brook dried up. Some of you maybe were working at a job and then they made some changes at the job and they phased your position out and you feel like your brook has dried up. Come on, are you with me? What do I do now? Okay, here's the good news. Your job is not your source. This is where we got to shift our focus, okay? Now, having a job is a good thing. I'm grateful for the ability to work. I'm grateful that through the call of God on our lives that we can put our hand to something, we can add value, and we can take care of our family. But we got to remember that our job is not our source that our boss is not our source. Some of your students, I mean, you're about to graduate school, and it's like, okay, now that I graduate, what's next? Listen, that was not your season. That, that's not your final calling. You're in a season, a process of step-by-step step, trusting the Lord. Regardless of what the stock market does, the economy is not your source. God himself is your source. So here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to pivot. Come on, somebody say pivot to find your provision. Say provision. You're going to have to pivot to find your provision because if you're hanging your hat on your job or your current season or whatever that stream of income is, then you're looking to the wrong things because brooks dry up. How God provides for you will change, but that he provides for you will never change. You see, it's the difference between resource and your source. Some of us are focused on resource, and God's saying, no, put your focus on me. I am your source. Are you catching this? Sometimes we put too much stock in the economy or what's happening in the White House or who's in office. Can I just tell you something? I know I'm treading on thin ice right now, and people get nervous when you start talking about politics and stuff, but can I tell you this? If God is your source, you can prosper regardless of who's in office. Whether it's a Republican or a Democrat. Well, somebody that shares your political values or somebody that opposes your political values. Don't lose your mind based on who's in the White House. Some of us are more preoccupied with who's in the White House and we're neglecting what's happening in God's house. Mm. I have prospered under every administration that's ever occupied the White House because I realized that God is not, that God is my source and what's happening in Washington, D.C. is not. We got to shift our focus. You see, this is where, this is where sometimes we, we miss it. Uh, God spoke to Elijah and says, okay, the brook is dried up. Now I want you to go into this village because there's a widow. 
Now, if I'm Elijah, I'm thinking, wait a second, Lord. I predicted no rain for years. Why don't I just pray for rain now? Come on, are you with me? I, I, if I said it ain't going to rain, and then I say it is going to rain, I can just stay right here at this brook, and water's going to flow, and man, we can continue to do the ravens. Remember all that? Man? How about let's go back to that? Listen, some of you, God's trying to give you new wine, but you're putting it in an old wineskin. You're trying to chase what was, and you can't embrace what is or will be. Come on, are, are you catching this today? we got to shift our focus. You see, we've got to hear the word of the Lord. God spoke to Elijah again and says, okay, this season is done. I want you to go into that village because I've arranged for a widow to take care of you. you got to hear the voice of God. Don't allow the noise of the economy and all the pundits and the economists and all, don't allow all of that to stifle the voice of God when he's trying to speak to you. You got to shift your focus to that voice. Lord, what are you saying to me now in this season? If you provided for me then, God, I know you'll do it again. Don't chase resource. Trust God as your source because he'll speak some different things to you. You know, it's interesting that he said, go into, go into this village and, and a widow, I've arranged for a widow to feed you. It's interesting because I remember years ago in our church, uh, there's a precious family, uh, older couple, and, and they were, uh, for a long time, they were mi missionaries, and they did street ministry in, in the streets of New Orleans. And, man, for years, faithfully served, based out of New Orleans, did missions work, man, worked with uh, different homeless uh, uh, shelters and, and street ministry in New Orleans for years. God moved them to Baton Rouge. They were part of our church. Well, they were elderly up in years. The man, the husband passed away. I did his funeral. Rachel and I developed a relationship with his precious family. So this lady now is a widow, and she's continuing. You can tell she trusts God, and she believes, man, God's going to take care of her. This widow, when her husband passed away, every month, and Rachel will tell you this, every month I received two checks in the mail from this widow. One check was made out to the church, and the other check was made out to me and my family. And I couldn't believe, Lord, how in the world? This is a widow woman, and yet you're using her. Now listen, I was a youth pastor at the time, broke like no joke. Man, didn't have two dimes to rub together. Rachel and I, man, we're building our family, trying to figure out how to balance things, ministry and pay bills and all these responses. And this, God was using a widow woman to help. I'm getting two checks in the mail every month. Do you know to this day, this precious widow woman sends me two checks every month. Now, it has little to do with me, but it has everything to do with him because Elijah had to know the brook is not my source. The ravens are not my source. Even the widow is not my source. God himself is. And God will use any means necessary to take care of his children. Come on, can I have a good amen? Somebody say fear. Somebody say focus. Number three, say faith. Check this out. Okay, this is where it's getting good. Oh, we're fixing to step into something now. Come on, turn your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you made it to church today. Whoo, this is better than calling Baton Rouge. Whoo, operator, put me on through. 
Look at this, verse 10. So Elijah goes to Zarephath. Now, Elijah's listening to God every step of the way. He's obeying God every step of the way. This is where faith kicks in. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, would you please give me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he calls to her. Oh, and by the way, can you bring me a bite of bread too? I think this is hilarious. Hey, fellas, when you're sitting there watching TV and your wife gets up and goes to the kitchen, have you, hey, while you was up, come on. Can you, I'm like, come on, Elijah, for real? Check this out. She says in verse 12, I swear by the Lord your God, I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. I only have a handful of flour left in this jar and just a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal. And then my son and I, we're going to (laughs) die. Lord, you said that a widow, you've already arranged it, that a widow was going to take care of me and she can't even take care of herself. She's down to her last meal. Come on, are you feeling this? Some of you feel like you're down to your last option. Man, I don't don't know. Man, I've I've run out of money, and i still got a lot of month left. I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill. I don't know how I'm going to care for these kids. I don't know where. Some of you have been at a place in your life where you didn't even know where your next meal was coming from. (laughs) Elijah, why are you going to pick on this vulnerable widow? She's depressed, she's suicidal, she's down to her last meal. Listen, this was not for Elijah's benefit. God had something for this widow. Elijah says to her, listen to the gracious, pastoral, merciful response of Elijah. Elijah says, hey, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Listen, I've been door dashing down at the river. Man, God's taking care of me. You about to die. <laughs> Take what little you have and just put me first. Now listen, this is a picture for us in times of famine. We got to keep God first. Don't panic and lose your priorities. Come on now. Don't panic in famine and then God begins to, well, Lord, I was trusting you and you hadn't come through, so I guess I got to do this myself. And then you put God on the back burner and you you totally miss what God's trying to do for you. Hmm. Bake a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. Can I have a good amen? Amen. Now, here's what's interesting, okay? I love this. God told Elijah to go to the village of Zarephath. Why is that important? Because Zarephath is in Tyre and Sidon in this Phoenician region. Remember wicked Jezebel? Remember Jezebel who introduced Baal, the sky god, and all the Israels worshiping this false god? Jezebel was from this area. This is her hometown, her home region. Homegirls from this area. And so Elijah is showing up in, in, in her stomping grounds, and it's like God saying, okay, see, because 
Jezebel's dad was the Phoenician king of that area, okay? This is cool. It's like Elijah telling Jezebel, hey, I know who your dad is, but do you know who my dad is? I just see God will use famine to defy the gods of our age, the things that we prop up and that we, we, we cling to. And it's, I love how God will show himself strong to his people. And then a message is sent to all people that as, as we surrender to him, he takes care of us. This widow had already written her ending. Sometimes we become fatalistic during famine. Let me say this. Don't put a period where God puts a comma. Some of you, are your, your punctuation is wrong. You're thinking this is the fine. A period says, okay, we're coming to an end. A comma says pause. I know it's tough, but pause because there's more to come. Some of you in your spirit, you put a period and you're thinking this is it. And God's saying today, no, comma, I still got more to say about this. She was at rock bottom. Sometimes you have to hit rock bottom before you realize Jesus is the rock at the very bottom. And that's where you rebuild. You rebuild on rock bottom. Christ and Christ alone. She said, I just have a little bit of flour. Can I tell you? There's power in the flour. Come on, somebody say power in that flower. Notice she says, I don't have. I only have. I don't have anything. Sometimes we think that we don't have much. Can I tell you this? God doesn't need a lot to do a lot. Well, I don't have. Well, no, no, no. You did have a little flour. You did have a little oil. And God says, if you'll trust me with the little that you have, come on, I can make a lot out of a little. In fact, I can make something out of nothing. Somebody say faith. See, you got to surrender what you have, and God will give you what you need. Uh, the psalmist David said this in Psalm 37, verse 25. He said, I once was young, but now I'm old. And I tell you what I've never seen. I have never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed begging for bread. I've never seen it. In other words, if you're a child of God, you don't have to beg for God to take care of you. Come on, somebody say fear. Say focus. Say faith. Say flourish. Check this out. Finally, number four, last thought. Verse 15. This is beautiful. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. Somebody say many days. There was always enough. Come on, somebody say enough. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Can I have an amen for the reading of the word? There was always enough. I feel like God brought you to church today to hear this. You can be fruitful even in a famine. You can flourish when there's pressure all around you and there seems to be lack in our economy and fear begins to creep in. The Bible says every time this widow went to her pantry, there was something there. Isn't that amazing? Look, have you ever been low on groceries and you're hungry and you know there ain't nothing to eat in your house, but you go to the refrigerator 
and you open it and you just stare. And you're looking and kind of you're pulling out drawers and man, maybe I missed something. Ain't nothing there. You shut the refrigerator door. Two minutes later, you're back at the fridge. Has anybody ever done this? And you open that door again and you're, maybe, maybe I didn't see it the first time. The Bible says that every single time she went to her pantry, every time. Well, wait a second. I used all I had yesterday, and yet all I need is here today. Boy, that's good stuff right there. That is good. This is how God works. Let me tell you, God works one day at a time. Here's here's, Here's how God leads, and you need to know this. Get this in your spirit. One day at a time, one step at a time. Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way. Lord, give us this day our what? Our daily bread. What's he trying to teach us? Daily dependence on him. You won't have to beg for bread, but you pray for it every day. And if God can feed the birds of the air, come on now. Don't you know he's going to care for you? He's going to take care of you because you're his. God's going to provide for you either naturally or supernaturally. He's going to take, why? Because he's put his name to his promises. And if you're his son, if you're his daughter, you don't have to be afraid. Now, some of you need to shift your focus. Some of you, you're going to need to step out in faith. But I promise you, you will flourish even in famine because God is your source. Watch this. When, when you trust God as your source, you will always have resource. Mark that. Now notice, I'm not talking about pros, you know, this, this prosperity gospel. Oh, that God wants you to be a millionaire. Man, oh, you just name it and claim it. Man, there's a Mercedes waiting for you when you walk out these doors. I'm not saying that. But I am saying this. God will take care of everything that you have need of. Now, he, he's not going to supply your greed but he will take care of your need. He will. Can you look back at a time in your life when you didn't think you were going to make it and boom, you went to the mailbox and there was a check and you're like, oh my God, how did this come? Well, it was the raven that brought it to you. Come on. It's the brook. Well, you know, well that brook dried up and then now you're in a new season and God said, I got a widow. That's Oh, I'm telling you, there is resource in your relationship. I'm going to surround you with something. Somebody's going to anonymously put something in your hand. Have you ever had one of those Pentecostal handshakes? You ever had one of those? You're in church and man, you're trying to just press in and believe God, but man, you're hurting on the inside and you got all these pressures and problems and, and somebody comes up to you and shakes your hand and you feel something in that handshake and you're like, oh, what's this? Huh, huh, it's a Benjamin. Oh, thank you, Lord. It's a praise the Lord. And you didn't know and you went back and you told your kids and you, you told your family, look, God did it, God did it, God did it. Hey, go to the pantry. God will supply. And then when he does, don't take credit for it like it was your talent, your ability, your hard work. No, no, no. It was God's faithfulness to you and your family. You see, I'm, I want to close this way. I want to close this way. In 3 John verse 2, the Bible says this, Beloved, I pray that you prosper in all things and that you be in health just as your soul prospers. The prosperity starts right here in your soul. Man, God forbid you have lots of money in your pocket, 
but you're broke in your soul. God, God wants prosperity to start right here, right in your heart. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.